Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to Raising Good Humans. I'm Dr. Lisa Pressman, and today's episode is a solo episode, just you guys with me. I'm answering listener questions from my direct messages on Instagram at Raising Good Humans podcast. Today, I'm talking about raising entitled kids, whining, rewards and motivation, and parental judgment. If you enjoyed this solo episode, don't hesitate to subscribe, rate, and write a little review. And of course, keep sending in your questions on at Raising Good Humans podcast on my Instagram, and have a great week. Here are four tips on how to avoid raising entitled kids. The first tip is making sure from a young age that you don't remove a child's ability to cope with not getting their way. So imagine you have a toddler who's so upset, they really had their heart set on the sippy cup that was blue. And that's not the sippy cup they got. And so they throw a tantrum or they just seem really down about it. And you just swap it out for the one that they wanted. That seems perfectly innocent. It probably saves a little bit of tantruming in the short term, but it sends the message in these small ways that you will fix whatever disappointment there is and that they don't have to feel the feelings of disappointment. This can also happen on play dates or with siblings when you make everything exactly equal. Now, that's not to say you should just tell kids this is what it is and life is hard. You want to empathize with them and say, I know you really had your heart set on that blue cup. Right now, I put a red cup down, but tomorrow we can set aside the blue cup. Another way this comes about is when you play board games with kids or races with kids, and we just really want them to win. Now, I'm not saying that you should just get super competitive with young children and always beat them because you're the grown up, but allow them to lose games, allow them to sit with the feelings of frustration when they do lose and be there for them to have the experience. Again, these things seem like small little moments that you could just easily brush aside, make better and make your day easier. But with time and repetition and effort, your child will learn that getting exactly what they want isn't always going to happen and that they know how to deal with that. That's not something they can't manage. And that lasts throughout life. Another example is 
if you're shopping for a birthday present for your child and you decide that you feel bad they're not getting a present, you're going to get them a little something too. This is the kind of thing that happens all the time. You're at the store or a sibling has a birthday and you also want to make sure that everybody feels good. So you get a little something for everybody. Again, in those moments, it might feel easier to do that. It might be like, well, it's a $2 trinket at the counter and it will help them just get through this difficult moment of having to get something for their friend or their sibling. But those are the moments that they need to say, ouch, I really want something and I can't have it. And you can be there to name that feeling and to let them know it's totally appropriate for them to feel that way. You might even feel that way too. And you can help them find some way to deal with it, including making a list of their wishes when they see something that they like that they can't have. Maybe they can make their birthday list or their holiday list so that they can save that present that they want for the future. The other thing that we might do is not understand just how important it is to give children household responsibilities. Now these should be age appropriate. Your three-year-old can clear the table and they can even help you with the dishes. Your five-year-old can set the table. You know, they can help with dust busting. There are things that they can do and they can put their trash in a larger trash bag. They can separate colors of laundry. There are lots of activities that your child can do that not only will help you, but will also give your child a sense that their participation matters, that they just don't walk into a room and everything is done for them, that a table does not just clear itself, but in fact, they're participating in making their worlds and their family's worlds nicer. So that is an important way to let them feel a sense of competence. They get better at it instead of just thinking, oh, well, I couldn't do this anyway. And competence reads confidence. Similarly, when we're talking about mealtime, if you have a child who just doesn't want to eat what you made for them, and then you change what their plan is, their meal plan is, you're a short order cook. That again, creates entitlement. So you will end up having a child who might go to a friend's house and say, oh, I'm so sorry. I don't eat this, 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 or this. Could you make something else for me? Now, allergies are one thing, health concerns are absolutely important, but when it comes to just picky eating, you want to find that balance between hearing them, providing foods that they already will like, so you're not worried that they're gonna go to bed starving, but also not changing the menu. Maybe they can help you with the menu at the beginning of the week or at the beginning of the day, and maybe they're gonna have to choose something that they're not as excited about because they need a more colorful plate. Whatever it is, it's another example where we might in a well-meaning way want to make sure that our child is happy. So we change the menu. Another thing that can happen is that we forget our boundaries or we don't stick to them. When we set boundaries for our children, and we let them know what's expected of them, and then they don't like it. If we continue to keep those boundaries while being empathetic and letting them know we hear them, we get that it's unpleasant, that that's not what they were hoping for. And as their parent, it's our job to sometimes make decisions that are healthy for them, but not super pleasant. That is a much easier way to start to get used to that than 
changing your boundaries, depending on your mood, because one day you're just like, you know what, you can watch 10 hours of TV. And the next day you think, no, I'm going to be really strict about this. So set yourself up to succeed by giving yourself realistic expectations for how well you can manage the boundaries that you set with your kids. Don't say there will be no TV during the week. If every single day you're going to get overtired and just say, fine, don't worry about it. (laughs) Today's a special occasion. Decide, you know what? I'm going to let them watch TV every day, but I'm going to set the amount of time. And that way they're not going to know that they can constantly push the limits that I set. In fact, having very clear boundaries, having those expectations that are a little bit high, but totally age appropriate and temperament appropriate can help your child feel better and more safe. So even though in the moment you want to rescue them from feeling the uncomfortable feelings and you want them to be able to get their way so that they're not upset, it will help them in the long run that they know that no matter how much boundary pushing they do, you're going to be very predictable and not change what you decided as an adult because of what they want in that moment as a kid. The exception, of course, is if you're wrong. If you set a boundary for the wrong reasons and you've thought about it and you know what, they have a good point and you're going to change your boundaries. You're flexible about that. That's totally fine. But if you find that that happens a lot, like every single day, many times, it's a red flag to pay attention to. Maybe you need to make more clear and realistic boundaries for yourself and for your child. And finally, if you don't want to raise entitled kids, check in with your own behavior. How do you talk to other people? How are you on the phone with the person from AT&T when you're frustrated? What do you say when a waiter brings the wrong meal? How do you treat the cab driver when you're getting into a cab? I know I'm using tons of examples from when the world was completely opened up, but think about that because if you aren't checking how entitled you act, then your child can't learn not to be entitled because that's the model that they're getting. One example that I can give you is when there's a really long line and you don't want to wait in the line and you teach your child how to cut the line or anything like that. If you're walking the dog and the dog coops and you don't have any way to pick it up. And so you just leave it there and you don't make a point of finding a bag and going and picking it up because it's part of our civic responsibility. These small things you have to address if you expect children to also address them and buy into them. We can't teach and preach without living by those same morals and values. So if you have a moment, check in, do you like how you're treating other people? Are you treating other people in the best way that you can and the way that you want your child to treat other people? And if so, great. Your kids are going to learn. It just is going to take time. If not, it's such a fantastic opportunity to do better for yourself. Parenting is always a great opportunity to check in, to make ourselves the best version of who we already are, but sometimes get a little bit lazy or tired about becoming. When it comes to treating fine lines, dark spots, and other signs of aging, your unique skin deserves unique care. And nothing beats the power of a customized prescription formula. And that is why I use Agency. 
Agency is a future-defining skincare brand that believes you deserve customized products for your dynamic and ever-evolving skin. If I had to tell my future self something, it would be wash your face, put on beautiful serums and creams, and use sunblock, lots of sunblock. So starting off with agency is really easy. You just upload photos of your skin and tell the agency about yourself. I genuinely filled out the form as truthfully and clearly as possible with the most unflattering pictures because I really wanted to figure out what to do. I have dry skin in some spots, oily skin in some spots, and I have rosacea. So I get very red. And then I was so excited because they match you with a licensed dermatology provider who creates a custom formula with research-backed ingredients just for me. And then I received my custom agency product in the mail like in seconds. I mean, it felt like it was just minutes after I figured out what I needed. And it was so easy because one of the things I said is I have no time. So my entire routine is in one bottle that they created. And I feel so thrilled about it. I feel so thrilled to share it with you. So do what I did and try out Agency, the personalized anti-aging skincare that evolves with you. Go to withagency.com slash humans for a free 30-day trial and just pay $4.95 for shipping and handling. That's withagency.com slash humans to unlock your free 30-day trial. See withagency.com for all the details subject to consultation. Beekeepers Naturals is disrupting the conventional medicine cabinet by creating nature-powered medicine that actually works. My friends at Beekeepers Natural use a very special natural ingredient called propolis. And if you haven't heard about it yet, it's time to hear what the buzz is all about. See what I did there? Bee propolis acts as the medicine of the beehive. It fights germs and protects the bees with over 300 beneficial vitamins and minerals. And guess what? It's just as beneficial to human beings as it is to our favorite pollinators. So I like to take bee immune propolis throat spray and spray it to soothe a scratchy and uncomfortable throat. I have a very throaty voice, so it's really helpful to me and I love it. I use it right before I record the podcast and it helps me just feel a little bit less scratchy. For a limited time, Beekeepers Naturals is offering my listeners an exclusive deal. They will ship you a free two-week supply of Bee Immune Propolis Throat Spray. You just pay $5 for shipping. So to claim this deal, you have to visit beekeepersnaturals.com, B-E-E-K-E-E-P-E-R-S, N-A-T-U-R-A-L-S dot com slash humans. It's not available on their regular website. So be sure to go to beekeepersnaturals.com slash humans. This deal is only good for March and April. So start prioritizing your immune health today. And if you don't love it, they'll refund your $5, no questions asked. You can also find Beekeepers Naturals nationwide in over 2,000 stores, including Target, Whole Foods, and Sprouts. Ancient Nutrition has one goal, to transform the health of every person on the planet. (laughs) That drives them to create whole food nutritional products made with real ingredients. Every product they create is rooted in tradition and supported by science. 
Ancient nutrition is based in traditional Chinese herbalism and Ayurveda, which are ways of eating and thinking that have survived generations. And it's combined with today's modern research. They believe that proper nutrition isn't just about eating the right foods. It's about ingredients that our bodies can truly use. So they source the world's highest quality ingredients, rigorously test them for pesticides, herbicides, and heavy metals, and do everything they can to create products that are easily digestible and easy to absorb. My favorite product that I have every morning in my coffee is the multi-collagen protein. So if you're looking for a great place to start, this is it. And it's their most popular product and it has no taste whatsoever. It dissolves easily and it can help you just feel better and it helps your skin and your hair. I love it. And again, it's unflavored and dissolves right away. And it's just easy, which I love. So go to ancientnutrition.com and use the code HUMANS for 20% off your first Ancient Nutrition purchase. If you're looking to revitalize your joints, skin, and hair, do it with Ancient Nutrition. Use the code HUMANS for 20% off at store.draxe.com. I got a question about whether or not to motivate kids with rewards or if that actually decreases motivation. Here's the thing. It depends on what you're trying to motivate your child to do. For example, if it's something your child already enjoys doing, if you offer a reward, you may in fact decrease their motivation. That's what the research tells us. So if a child is already motivated, let them fly because they've figured out how they need to do things to motivate and we don't want to get in the way of that. If there is something that requires external motivation to get them started, for example, practicing an instrument, because there's just not a lot of payoff when they can't play well enough to feel like it was worth it, you can offer external motivation as a start just for a little launch and then pull back on it. Because again, if they're enjoying it and they start to see the benefits and you over reward, they're not going to want to do it anymore. And then there are things that really require a child to have morals and values and choices throughout their life. You want them to have internal drive to be kind. You don't want to reward that because it's not going to motivate them to be kind in the way that you might want them to feel motivated. But if there's a reward for something that's a new habit, brushing their teeth and not forgetting to brush their teeth before bed, and you want to give a little incentive, ask yourself, do I care if they need a reward for that? Do I really care if when they're 18 years old, they're saying they don't want to do it because they need to get a sticker? If you don't care what they feel like when they're 18, if you don't care if they need to give themselves their own little reward when they get older to brush their teeth or have that habit, then give them a little reward to help push them along and set up a new habit. I got such an interesting question about how to let a child know the difference between right and wrong without sounding judgmental. And it's such a great question because we, when I'm giving the message to pull back and allow your child to figure things out for themselves or problem solve, it can be frustrating not to say something because you might feel like, well, I know I want them to have these morals and values. I'm trying to let them become the person that I'm raising, but I can't sit back silently. 
here's how to make sure that you don't sound judgmental with the understanding that you're always going to sound a little judgmental. There's always going to be a little something there if you hear a horror story about another kid. But the motivation should be that you're thinking of this as a long-term relationship with long-term messages, not in that moment where you have to teach something. So in those moments, if you can try to be as a witness, as objective as possible, be a witness where you tell your child exactly what happened or what you heard from them or what you saw in that observation, they will come up with what it means. They will come up with, does that sound like a good idea or not a good idea? Does that sound like it was kind or unkind? Because you've removed your judgment and you're just spelling out for them what you've observed. You've given them space to actually hear it instead of taking the time to be on their defensive, their defense brain, their stress brain that's saying, well, now I have to figure out why my mom shouldn't dislike that friend that did that awful thing or why I shouldn't get in trouble for X, Y, or Z. So instead of they're having to think about your judgment, they're actually thinking about what happened. And then they will come up with that it was not the right thing. And if they do not, then you can have another conversation with them to just check in and say, I'm curious what you thought about your friend speaking to their teacher like that. I couldn't tell from our conversation. And let them tell you. And if they say, I thought it was great, then you can guide them through it. So when they said something nasty about another person, using that voice that they used, or with those words that we've talked about before, how did that make you feel? Do you feel like that's something that you could talk to your friend about? Or do you feel like that's something, a behavior that you feel tempted to do? Your child is going to know the answer. And if you give them space, they will come up with the answer that you're guiding them to get to, or it will be a longer term discussion where they might not right away. And you'll have to provide more examples over time. So the last question, someone asked about how to get their child to stop the incessant whining. Here is the problem with whining. It's not harmful. It's just annoying. It's an annoying behavior. And we tend to get really annoyed and then tell our kids or show our kids with our body language that we're really annoyed, which then prompts them to whine more because it's kind of working. It's getting their attention in a different way. But if you can take a deep breath, get down on eye level and say to them, I really want to understand what you're trying to say. It's hard for me to understand when you're whining. Can you try that again in your real voice? They're much more likely to respond to you. Now, there are also times when you're talking to a friend and you're getting tugged at or nagged and, or, you know, a child is just repeating the same thing over and over again. Those times you want to turn to your child one time to say, I see you. You really want my attention right now, right? Unfortunately, I'm talking to my sister, but then I'm going to get to talk to you as soon as we take a break. Ideally, you tell them when that will be, whether it's five minutes from now or whether it's after they've had their snack or after they've finished five more pages in their book or whatever it is. But either way, you're letting them know, hey, I see you. I'm not going to be able to pay attention to you right now. I'm going to focus on what I was doing. 
And then as soon as I have a chance, I'll get back to you. And then you can just ignore it because they'll get used to the fact that that's just noise. It's annoying. You heard them. So I'm not saying just ignore them and don't explain yourself. I'm saying, let them know, Hey, I'm not going to be able to pay attention to this right now, but I get that you would like my attention. Here's the plan. And that's it. You don't have to do anything else. Whining stops because there's no feedback for it. And you're acknowledging that they're uncomfortable and that they would like you. You're acknowledging that you are not able to give them attention and also that they want that attention. And the rest, you could just not pay any attention to. Eventually it will stop, especially if you don't give it a ton of feedback. 